Hello, this is David Gibson. I'm here at the Ecological Society of America meetings in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm joined today by Helen Alexander from the University of Kansas, who has been recognized by the Journal of Ecology as our eminent ecologist of the year. So welcome to the podcast, Helen. Thank you very much. So we're just going to talk a little bit about your background first of all. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your ecological background, how you came to be in ecology and how it's developed through the years. Sure. Well, I guess I can think back that uh, my parents took us on hikes in the woods and I think uh, kids who have parents that take them outside have a, a great advantage and I've just enjoyed nature. I actually also loved history as well, but eventually decided to go into biology and ecology. Um, I guess in graduate school I actually wanted to study um, plant-insect interactions, but the particular year I was studying my project, that insect wasn't around, but a pink fungus was. So mm. I started looking <laughs> so. at uh, plant-fungal interactions, and, and that's an area I worked in for a lot of times. Um, and I still work in that area, but I also started, uh, when I moved to Kansas, branching out into other areas as well. I worked some in crop wild hybridization. I worked with prairie plants and mm. uh, restoration. So I've um, done a, a broad level of work in plant uh, population and community ecology. Absolutely, yes, yes, that's that's pretty clear from your from your work. Uh, so, so who are some of your inspirations? You think in, in the development of your career? Yeah, well, I first want to give credit to actually my high school biology teacher. In, mm. in retrospect, I had an amazing biology teacher who took us on field trips from Wisconsin to Arizona over spring break and things like that. Um, but uh, I also had some strong professors at. University of Wisconsin, but Janos Antonovics at Duke University clearly has been probably my most important uh, uh, figure scientifically. Um, his uh, real enthusiasm for science, his, his love of working on a problem, but also his love of natural history. Mm. And uh, he just likes to get into figuring things out. So I would say he's probably my main inspiration. Yes, I've, I've not met him, but I've certainly seen a lot of his work and the work that you did with him as well. Yeah. Silene, I think it was. Yeah. Right? Well, he was so very generous on that because he introduced me to this anthosmut pathogen. Um, and then as I was studying to do more work in Kansas, he very politely asked if he could work on the system. And he's gone on and done amazing <laughs> things. Yeah. Is, is he still active? In yes, he's still very active. Oh, good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good background to your work. So you mentioned uh, some of your other work, if you like, but I think it's related. So you had a paper in Journal of Ecology not too long ago that was titled Crop-Associated Virus Infection in a Native Perennial Grass Reduction in Plant Fitness and Dynamic Patterns of Virus Detection. So tell us something about that work. Sure. So I most of my work with plant-microbe interactions has been with fungi, but I was at an uh, international meeting uh, with plant virologists, and I was just fascinated by all the potential effects that viruses could be having on plant populations and communities. Um, and uh, plant virologists are, are very active, but um, most of their work has not been really looking at um, fitness effects of viruses mm -hmm. on plants or kind of the demographic effects. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I teamed up with Carolyn Malmstrom, who's a virologist and an ecologist, and uh, I did the, the field biology work of this study. 
and we essentially looked to see whether a virus common from uh, crop plants had an effect on a native perennial switchgrass. And uh, what we found was that it did have substantial effects, but you couldn't see visually most of the time that the plant were infected. Mm. So to me, it gives a great potential situation that viruses may be out there in our experiments. And when we can't explain all the variation we have in our studies, you know, often our R squares are well under mm-hmm. 75%. Um, viruses are one of many possible reasons for some of those factors. Do you think viruses may have more of an effect on plant fitness than fungi? Well, I, I think it would be hard to know that. They certainly have such an intimate, intimate interaction with plants that I think it's possible. Um, but I think we simply don't know. Mm-hmm. There haven't been uh, these kinds of studies. Many of the people in agriculture often focus on kind of the symptoms that viruses affect plants, but work like ours suggests that even if you can't visually tell the plant is infected by color, it can still have a reduction in fitness that's substantial. Mm-hmm. Do you think viruses and fungi are synergistic at all, or are they just separate effects? Oh, I I think you could kind of have all possible interactions, and I think you also have to realize that, um, you know, we tend to think of virus equals pathogen, because when we have a virus, that's kind of how we associate it, but probably just like fungi range from mutualistic to pathogenic, Mm -hmm. um, viruses probably have that same range as well. Well, We just don't know enough about viruses yet. I I think we don't, especially from this kind of uh, plant ecology perspective. So since this paper, have you taken this project forward or other research ideas? So the work that I uh, have done in this area since this paper has actually been um, with a a virus of a a perennial milkweed species in the prairie. Mm. And uh, what's interesting about that study is that um, the virus we used in the Journal of Ecology paper is barley yellow dwarf, which is a virus very well known in crop plants. Mm -hmm. Transmitted by aphids, I think. That is correct. Um, But there has been some work done in Oklahoma prairies where they've really went out to search for wild viruses, viruses that have really no known knowledge in in crop plants. And so some colleagues of mine in Oklahoma identified one of them, and then we did studies with that on a a perennial milkweed. Uh, These were observational studies in the field, but we see very little effect of the virus on... Uh, plant survival, growth, et cetera, even mm-hmm. though when this virus is infected in the greenhouse on uh, crop plants, it's very uh, detrimental. So the virus we're working on in this milkweed may be essentially neutral in most hmm. cases. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a fascinating area we need to know yeah. more about, I think, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so changing uh, focus a little bit, um, you're a senior ecologist. You yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know how we, that we, we happened. Both are, but, um, neither you or I are early career researchers, um, but I'm sure you, you're working with students or, or colleagues that are early career researchers. What sort of advice can you give from your perspective? Yeah, People boy, coming into the field now. Exactly. Well, I guess I um, some general things to encourage people to look at the world broadly. I think that... Uh, The nature of the field these days is that people specialize in lots of different areas, which is perhaps essential, but I've recognized that um, having colleagues that are in broad areas, I I, uh, did some work on mark recapture of 
long-lived perennial plants, so that was really possible because I had a good colleague who was a mammalian ecologist way outside of my field. Um, so I think keeping a, a breadth of backgrounds is important. Um, one thing I guess I would just say is to enjoy what you do. <laughs> I think there is a lot of stress on early career colleagues, and so it's important to find areas and colleagues you work with that you truly enjoy. Um, and uh, also, this is, I think, something these senior ecologists often say, but um, be aware of the older literature. I think there's a tendency to kind of rediscover <laughs> ideas over in time because none of us have time to really follow the, all the literature. Read the classics. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's so related to this issue of, of doing so much thing. I mean, the, the work-life balance is something that's difficult and have, have you been able to achieve that? <laughs> well, I, I think I've been very fortunate. I have a wonderful husband and I have two kids who are now grown and, and um, we have always enjoyed uh, doing things other than science. I think one thing that we found where it's very effective was just to take short one or two day trips on weekends around, uh, in our case, Kansas and Missouri, just to get a break. And you didn't need a huge long vacation just to kind of get refreshed. So I also have found that uh, doing some work with um, local high schools, and uh, I'm a big sister in the Big Sister, Big Brothers, Big Sisters program, things like that just help give you perspective mm -hmm. outside of academics. So it's important to not spend your whole life uh, focusing yeah, on your work. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's effective or healthy. <laughs> yes, because I mean there's a tendency to just keep working to get those publications, get those grants, yeah. but maybe it's it's negative in the end. I, th I think it, it can yeah. be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. Good advice and I hope the early career research as well. <laughs> Um, great. So is anything else you'd like to comment on at this point? Well, I guess I would just like to say two quick things. First of all, a big thank you to Journal of Ecology. This was an amazing honor that I never expected. Um, and then I thought I would just also put a plug in for field stations. Both mm -hmm. my early work on the anthracite disease and my, most of my recent work has been done at field stations. And uh, the University of Kansas Field Station and Mountain Lake Biological Station have just been wonderful places to work. Get in touch with you if they're interested? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you again, and uh, congratulations on being an eminent ecologist. And, and, and thank you for your work, and thank you for publishing in Journal of Ecology. I prefer this interview. Thank you very much.